Coaches, welcome again to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. This is episode 109. Today we have James Leith. James is the content guru and lead speaker for Changing the Game Project. He is also founder of Unleash the Athlete and former head of leadership and character development at IMG Academy. He teaches the mental strength skills and leadership development tools to athletes, coaches, and top performers through interactive lectures and team-building activities, using stories, improvisation, audience participation, and lots of energy. James provides an experience for the audience with clear takeaways for continued growth. Clinics like this do say be formula for developing leaders and empowering them to take ownership in their personal development through goal-setting, self-talk, commitment, and teamwork. He holds a bachelor's degree in communication from Fresno State and a master's degree in performing psychology from National University. He was a collegiate athlete at Fresno State and has coached multiple sports at the youth and high school levels. Coaches, we're great honored here to have James Leith here. And I'm right in the middle of, uh, actually at the end of my season here. And we're, we're really at a, at a time now where I think James knowledge and ability to put together great activities for kids to try to get them inspired, get them empowered. I think we're really going to find out some great activities and great ideas that you can use right now with your team. So I'm really looking forward to picking James' brain. So let's welcome James Leith. James, welcome to the podcast. Hey, James. Hey, Kevin. What's going on? Good, good. How's the audio there? <laughs> um, I can hear you really well. How about you? That's great, great. Sometimes you never know with the Anchor app, but uh, I appreciate you joining me, man. Thank, thank you for taking the time out. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Yeah, I, I got my coach's voice now, so it's a little run down if you can't hear me. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm nice and fresh. I just got out of hot yoga. So my, my voice, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to speak. Let's do this. Yeah, you got to help me out because I know you take care of yourself better than I do. So you're going to have to help me out. Give me some advice, man. I'm uh, more than happy. <laughs> um, well, I appreciate it. I tell you, I've been um, real. I've been telling a lot of people about your stuff and, and you got so many good activities, man. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I love what you're doing. But first of all, tell our audience about how your, your, your kind of your journey of how you started as an athlete. And kind of how you created this great vision of helping out us coaches and players. Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. You know, I, in high school, uh, I played a lot of sports. And my father gave me this ultimatum. He said, basically, you're either, uh, you're either on a team or you have a job. And so I just basically went from sport to sport because that's, that kept me from, you know, having to deliver pizzas and <laughs> papers and and so I, I did, wasn't good at a lot of the sports, but what happened was I got, to, I got to know a lot of different coaching styles. And maybe I wasn't very good at volleyball, but I learned from my volleyball coach, McCarthy, uh, how to uh, build a team and how to handle uh, you know, going into a season thinking that we're going to win it all and maybe not doing so well. And so when I got to college, I wanted to play football. That was my thing. Like I wanted to play football with everything in me and I didn't, it didn't take long and I got hurt pretty bad, hurt my knee, couldn't play, lost any opportunity to walk on. 
but uh, one of the sports that I had participated in in high school was was competition cheerleading. And so we would go to competitions and compete. You know, there was eight of my best dudes and a bunch of cheerleaders, and we would throw them up in the air and stuff. Well, anyways, they paid me a scholarship in college to be a cheerleader. So I took it. And that gave me the opportunity to be the mascot. And the reason why that's important is because I got a front row seat to every basketball huddle, football huddle, softball timeout. I mean, anything you can imagine, I was in a big dog suit in the action (laughs) all throughout college. Right. And so I took that as an opportunity. Now, the fans (laughs) thought I was goofing off, but the coaches, I had made sure the coaches knew that I was there out of respect and that I wasn't going to get in the way. And they were all fine with it, wrestling, volleyball, baseball, all of it. And so I spent a couple of years in the huddles of all these different, uh, these different teams learning the good and the bad from these collegiate coaches. And I started coaching right after high school uh, and quickly realized that I didn't necessarily like being tied to one team because I wanted to be a resource to other coaches. And one season I just decided I'm not going to coach football and I'm just going to kind of put it out there and different teams started bringing me out to their practice to kind of audit the practice and tell them some ideas on how to make things more smooth and what to look for. And one guy brought me out. He was like, you know, my guys keep quitting. I can't keep anybody on the team. And I was able to assess and kind of figure out, Oh, well, this is what's going on. And he was able to turn things around. And so that was really early in my career. I'm turning 40 uh, in two weeks. And that was at 22, 23. And so since then, I've been amassing all these different activities to build culture and to uh, increase leadership ability and mental resiliency and and awareness uh, as an athlete on how to increase performance. And I went back to school, got my master's in performance psychology and got a job at IMG Academy. And I was at IMG for a couple years as the head of leadership development. And it was uh, at the time of my life. IMG is a phenomenal place to to teach and to, to work with some really great people. Uh, and then I my father got ill. I, I resigned my position and moved to Dallas, where I'm currently, <coughs> to take care of him. And when he passed away in 2018... Uh, I just, I kept doing what I was doing and, but I made it more formal. So I created a company called Unleash the Athlete and I've been working with, I I worked with the Cowboys for a little while, currently working with the Chicago Bulls organization and just, uh, just all over the place, sharing these ideas of kind of bringing the sport back to the kids and allowing them to, to use it as, as life development, not just in the win loss column but in the, in the life improvement column in the personal development column. Yeah. And I, um, I tell you, and I, I've really taken on a lot of your ideas, man. I, sh- I should be giving you a consultant fee and I feel like <laughs> I'm stealing from you, man. I'm, I, I gotta get, I gotta tell you, I mean, we use, we use zip zap zop today. All right. Oh, now was today the first day you did that? Yeah, first day we did that. And I, I tell you when I, okay. I tell you, and I want you to be, critical of me and coach me up but what um i what i learned from you is we always start practice with a fun activity and then and then go hard and then what i did today is in the middle of practice we were kind of struggling a little bit just on communication so we went zip zabs off right in the middle okay so let me let me just ask you this yeah why as a coach why do you think it's important to spend a couple minutes at the beginning of practice to do that because I feel like I coach girls and I feel like you got to get the positive energy going early. And I think they listen better Um, because my, my weakness is I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, 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 I guess more of a drill sergeant and I want things done. And I think I, I backed off of that and we went more relaxed and I think they buy into things more. Um, and they really feel like, hey, the coach kind of, you know, he kind of cares about us a little bit more. And I really feel like they're more relaxed more than anything. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, uh, what an important thing to, to bring up is that 
sports are it's a game. We're having we're supposed to have fun. Now there's serious. You got to practice. You got to work hard. But anybody will tell you from little kid to professional athlete, when you are playing in a childlike state, that's what being in a zone feels like. Just everything is easy, and you're just having a good time, and you're you know your friends or your teammates, and and when you spend a few minutes at the beginning of practice to kind of wake them up, kind of shake them like, Hey, we're, we're having fun. This is, we're going to have a good time. We're going to work hard and we're going to, and we're going to have fun. And you, and you infuse practice with a few minutes that helps them to focus instead of going 30 minutes and getting pissed off and going, why aren't you guys paying attention? <laughs> What's going on? Sure. And you can just go, you know what? Hey, let's play a game. You know, and, and I remember it being reinforced by learning about um, Anson Dorrance, who a uh, very famous soccer coach. And he would give his soccer players uh, a lap, say, hey, run a lap. You got a couple minutes to finish it, walk it, run it, crawl it, push each other in the bushes, whatever you got to do. Just go enjoy each other, because when you get back, practice begins. And according to, you know, the, some of his players, they loved that. That was such a great opportunity for them to just kind of hang out and, and get everything off their chest and then, boom, get into practice and be one of the best soccer teams in the nation. Yeah, what a great idea, man. Uh, and I tell you, I've, I've heard and, and really studied uh, Anson Dorrance, uh, not recently, but, man, that guy is, that guy is unbelievable, man. I mean, he, he yeah. really knew how to develop really more, I mean, the women's mindset, the women's athletic mindset, and he really yeah. knew how to create the, those great competitors. Right, right. Tell me, yeah, tell me, there, yeah go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, and there's anybody who wants to say that there's no difference between the male and the female is there's just, they're just not paying attention. Exactly. <laughs> but the, 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 the better way to explain it is just, Every team is different too. Right. And so if you treat every team, every athlete, every male athlete, every female athlete exactly the same, you're doing yourself a very big disservice because some people, boy or girl, want you to be very soft and very tender and very you know understanding. And then there's other people It's like, coach, I need you to yell at me. I need you to wake me up and, and be a little uh, aggressive in your tone and because they don't respond to the, the niceties. You know, so you have to kind of get your masters in each athlete, and that's how you can become the most successful coach. Right, and that's the the art of coaching, right? Right, James. I mean, right. That, that's right. something you really have to study. Hey, tell me about the great coaches you have worked for, your great mentors. I always ask every guest this, um, and I know your volleyball coach. Matter of fact, I know you got we, me, you from your volleyball coach. We we use that every day now after at the end of practice and game. <laughs> So thank you yeah. so much. I owe you again for that, but but it's really really effective. But who are some of your best mentors? Yeah, that was that was Coach K. She was a, a varsity <laughs> volleyball coach my senior year. Which the thing about playing volleyball my senior year is I had never played volleyball before, and I got dared to try out for the team <clears throat> by some guys, and I was like, yeah, I'll try. I ended up making the team. And the coach, his name is Coach McCarthy. Bob McCarthy is a great, great man. He pulled me in his office and, uh, and he was like, hey, you're not going to play very much. And I was like, I know, you know, I'm not very good. And he's like, yeah, you're not very good. I'm like, coach, I got it. Thank <laughs> so, you for goes, being honest. Yeah, but he goes, but I need you on the team because you, you bring a sense of spirit. You, you know, you help the team get excited about stuff. And so if you can play that role for me, then, you know, you get a varsity letter, we'll take you to Vegas, you know. And so what he taught me is a couple lessons. But number one is that effort and enthusiasm can get you pretty far in life. Effort and enthusiasm. And the other thing is, is a couple weeks into the, into the uh, practice, the team voted me as a captain. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I was terrible at volleyball. And I learned in that moment that you didn't have to be good at the physical aspect to be respected as a leader. And so that, that took me, you know, that, that, that's helped me big time. But then I remember also coming home on the way from uh, our Vegas tournament is I got a, a three hour dissertation on how to do well in an interview. That was my volleyball coach that taught me how to do yeah. that. 
and he spoke life into me, you know, and, and so that was really great. I also had some phenomenal football coaches talking about uh, masculinity, some toxic and some really progressive and ahead of their time as far as, you know, respecting myself and respecting authority and respecting women. And I had this one baseball coach that uh, he, again, I wasn't very good at baseball. Um, I played all these other sports to make me better at football. That was kind of it. <laughs> and uh, this baseball coach, uh, he just, the way he would talk to the players, the way he would get them to believe in his, uh, in his message, in his vision, was just amazing. We won games we weren't supposed to win because we believed in what he was, was selling us. And I remember reading a book by John Gruden called uh, Do You Love Football? And in there, he talks about how he got his bachelor's degree in communication because he believed that life is sales and that he was going to be selling a game plan to his athletes every week. And so he mastered the art of selling. He mastered the art of presenting and communicating. And that's why he's so good at what he does. If you've ever heard him speak, he's, he's really fun to, uh, to listen to. But I also take a lot of advice from non-athletic people. For example, uh, a Jim, Jim Rohn, who is a personal development uh, godfather. He's just the, this, and Zig Ziglar. I live... I live a few miles away from where Zig Ziglar lived. Have you ever heard of Zig Ziglar? I have. I heard of both of okay. them, man. They're great. So, you know, good old Zig. And, and my pastor was uh, a student of Zig for, for many years. And so I get to hear kind of his teachings kind of peppered into uh, Keith Kraft's message. But then also you got like a, a John Maxwell and a Tony Robbins and uh, different different coaches. And then people that you've never heard of before that I just – I go to church with, or um, I, I've met out on the road while I'm speaking in, in different uh, schools or different countries. And, and I just, I just kind of, years ago, uh, I heard Tony Robbins say in, in no uncertain terms, he said, you know, the guy you see in front of you, like I built this mother effort, is what, I, what he said. He's like, I'm intentional about who I am. And I took that to, to be like, okay, well, I need to look around me and take all the good that I see from all the men and women around me and be intentional about the person that I'm becoming. And I, I learned that from a non-sport guy, you know, but then also uh, what I've learned, I feel like I'm kind of getting off track here, but no, what I've learned also is that um, athletes, they really struggle. You know, you, you remember when you stop playing sports, it's your identity and you struggle for some struggle, you know, for a few months, some struggle for years, some never get over it. But one of the messages that I teach is that athletes are so well equipped for non-athletic pursuits out in life because they've had bad coaches and they're going to have bad bosses. They've had teammates that they hate. They're going to have coworkers that they hate. They have uh, to find purpose in what they're doing. And sometimes you have no purpose because you're below 500 halfway through the season and you know, you're not going to make playoffs. And so you have to change what success means. And all this happens when you're in sport. When you get out to life, that's just, it's life. It's like sport is a microcosm for life. And so uh, I really feel like these you know, athletes, when they get out there, if they're intentional about picking up these lessons from all their coaches, it's really going to serve them later in life. So what, uh, and I love what you're saying. I, I think what you're saying is us coaches we need to be more intentional on developing life skills, which I think is really undervalued in many programs because I, I don't see that in a lot of programs. Um, we should really have a plan of attack on how we approach every practice, every game, more on the people side and more on developing and inspiring, more than X's and O's. Absolutely. I, I feel like your player development playbook should be twice as big as your you know, your strategy playbook. Right. And that's where you come in. That's where you're going to share with us right now, coach, because I, I have a term for you. I, every time I think of the, the two words press break, I think of James Leith because I remember that story. <laughs> the cupcakes. That, that's a great story, coach. And I just <laughs> want to tell you because I'm, yeah. I've been a press break coach for a long time because uh -huh. I'll, I'll practice until we actually get it right. 
And now I'm trying to change my ways. Tell us about that story and what we need to do as coaches to focus less on the press break. Well, so that, that is, it's one of my favorite stories. I also need to preface it by saying it's important as a coach to know how important winning is to the people who sign your paycheck. Yeah, I was a volunteer coach with the YMCA and I knew at the, at the base level that the pressure to win isn't really there. (laughs) And so I, I was able to, to take some liberties on practice that I might not be able to do if I was a varsity coach or if I was a collegiate coach or definitely a professional coach. And so it's important to know uh, what you can and can't do. But then also I'm a habitual line crosser. So I'm always kind of pushing the lines a little bit just to make sure I know what's expected of me. And I was coaching one day and it was my birthday. It was the middle of February. And uh, we were going to install the press, the press break. And we needed to because the week before we really struggled with it. And about 20 minutes into practice, we do, we get a little, we're warmed up. We're good to go. I give them a little water break and, and they come in with cupcakes for my birthday. And I had, and they were so excited. And these are uh, 10 and 11 year old female athletes. They're super excited to have cupcakes with coach. And I had to decide, do I cut this off? And say, sorry, we can't really enjoy this or you can't have cupcakes and go to practice because that's not good nutrition and all that crap. Or sit there and have cupcakes with the girls. And I decided I'm going to have cupcakes with the girls. And we sat there for 45 minutes and we shoved frosting in each other's faces and we made a huge mess. And we had way too much sugar. And then we all, you know, we did some conditioning and we all had stomach cramps and because it was all the sugar. And the girls were giggling all, all practice. A few days later, we, uh, we got a little bit of the press break in. Not a whole lot. Uh, it definitely showed on Saturday. They, they, we, got, you know, we, we got beat because of the press break. But then, a couple years later, I was, uh, I was talking to – I don't know if I told you this part of the story. But I was talking to a coach in San Luis Obispo. And that's where I was, San Luis Obispo, California. And him and I were going back and forth on text message. And he goes, hey, I just found out that I have three of your girls in my class right now. He's a high school coach or teacher who, were, who you used to coach. And he took like a selfie with him and like the three girls. And all of them were like, oh, my gosh, that's coach. And uh, they had one question. Do you remember the day we brought you cupcakes? <clears throat> yeah, that was the that was the <laughs> first question they wanted to ask their coach who left um, at the end of the season to go work at IMG Academy. Haven't talked to him since. And they wanted to know, do you remember the day we brought you cupcakes? And it's just a reminder of the things that the, these kids are going to remember are not the scores. Parents will remember the scores. Coaches might remember the scores. They might be up on the walls somewhere, but the kids, they're going to remember how you made them feel. They're going to remember what you, uh, those little intimate moments where they're like, Hey, I'm really sad. You know, like I, I just, I'm going through a breakup or, um, you know, my, my mom is sick or my dog just died. And they're going to remember how you reacted or better how you responded to those situations. And so as coaches, what we need to do is seek out, those moments where, or be aware of those moments where we can really influence this, some, this, this person. It reminds me of a story where, um, this, this kid called me on his 21st birthday. His name was Maddie and I hadn't talked to him in about 10 years. And even when he called me, his mom's name came up because that's how I had his number saved in my phone was his mom. So I'm like, hello. And he's like, coach, Hey, it's Maddie. Well, it was more like, Hey coach, this is Maddie. And the last time I heard him, he sounded very different. Right. But it was his 21st birthday and his, uh, his professor uh, asked them to reach out to somebody that uh, meant a lot to, to their, to their growth. And he was on a football team as a sixth grader where we for two years went undefeated. We got scored on maybe three times. We were, we were very good. And he was like, what do you, or I asked him, I go, what do you remember about 
our time together. And I thought he would talk about like going undefeated and, you know, winning the championship. And he goes, I got two questions. Number one, do you still open up the door for Mrs. Coach Lee? And I was like, what? You saw that? He goes, yeah, every day after practice, Mrs. Coach Lee would come and you'd walk around and he'd open up the door for her. And I thought, that's interesting. He goes, I've been doing that, Coach. I've been, I've been opening up the doors for women ever since, and they love it. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome, buddy. He goes, the other thing is, on the first day of practice, do you still teach the handshake? Now, he was the first team that I ever started doing that with. And I said, absolutely, I, I teach that. He goes, well, I don't know if you've been following me, but I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty good wrestler. And he was being modest. He was like the, the top wrestler in the state, <laughs> his weight class for uh, his college. And uh, he's like, I'll, sometimes I win the match before it even starts because they give me the fish or the, the princess handshake. And these are things that I taught him when he was a 10-year-old. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And now he's using, he's like, coach, I don't let him get away with that weak handshake. And it, and it intimidates them. That's all he wanted to talk about. Those two moments right there. And that just reminds us, you know, these kids, they're going to, re- they're going to remember how we made them feel and not so much the, the wins and the losses. Yeah. I love that. It's just, it's just long-term development. I mean, you're, 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 I love what you're doing with just those things that are, are not relative to the sport but are really great life skills. And I want you to kind of continue on with that because I think your team building activities are really one of a kind coach. And I know maybe you stole some from other people, but I really want us to share, for example, number one, talk about your, um, you know, what does it take to be a great teammate? And we have done that, but I really want you to talk about why is that so important? Because it has really made a difference recently in our program. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Uh, so my team building activities course, uh, you can get it at, uh, you know, utathlete.com. It, it started as 52 activities broken into five different sections and every month or every six weeks or so I'll add to it, but that's, you know, that original 52. And those come really from years of doing youth camp and being on different teams and uh, taking improvisational comedy skits and, Oh, here's an activity, you know, putting it in there. But, and you talked about the you, we, me um, activity, but that team or the, uh, the, the ultimate teammate. Now that's something that I've done for, I can't, I, a long time. I don't have no idea where I got it from, but what I do is I have the team write down, or I'm at the board, right? And I'm like, okay, describe the best teammate. What do we think the best teammate is? And then they create this avatar of a teammate. And they understand it because of video games. It's like, what attributes do you want your video game teammate to be and to have? And so they come up with all these things. And then you kind of flip the script on and you go, well, if this is what you think it is, why don't we make a document and you sign it? And you become as close as possible to this teammate. And we'll just agree as a team that this is what we expect of each other. And we can hold each other accountable. And so what I did the very first time I ever did it is we wrote down all those words. I had all the team sign it. And I had this clear clipboard. And I had it on the, on, like, on the clipboard, like, turned around so that way when I'm writing on the clipboard, they could see that quote-unquote contract of what a great teammate is. And I've been doing it ever since. And so you, so you did it. And so tell me about your experience uh, and, and what did they come up with? Well, first of all, uh, um, we, we did it. We actually, we took the whole practice pretty much to do it. I mean, and I didn't care about anything else other than we really need to um, we really need the girls to kind of find out what are these important traits that it takes us to be a great teammate. And the girls did a great job. Matter of fact, they did a lot of pictures. I don't know if you saw it, but they did a lot of pictures of each player and even the coaches. They did some stick figures and so forth of the coaches. <laughs> they did all sorts of, that's why, I mean, a lot of times girls, they love to draw, they love to create, um, yeah. but they really got into it. And I was amazed at really the detail 
that they really thought through it as a group. And I thought that was so beneficiary. And we go over it before every game and they have to sign it. And we're constantly referring to it because nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to do all that all the time. But I think right, it's, it's right. just a great motivator. It's a great direction. And I want to applaud you for taking a practice to do that <clears throat> instead of a, a few more cone drills. <laughs> exactly. A few, more, a few more dribbles, a few more shots. It's like, wait a minute. How about we get some direction? How about we set some standards? Sure. How about we agree about this, become a great team, and then we get a more quality practice instead of more practice. Well, let me, okay, so, well, let me add, James, let me add to that. We, well, the reason why I did it, first of all, I listened to your podcast with Mike and you really inspired me by it, but I felt like we had some kids on the team that were not playing that were actually being negative with negative body and, and just complaining a lot. And we said, Hey, first of all, we got to make sure that they're a valued member of the team. And so we really kind of brought them in because yeah. I feel like it's not the players that are playing all the time that can destroy the team. It's the players that are not playing. And 100%. So 100%. If, if they're not all in, we're in trouble. So that's why I did it. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> You're exactly right. You got to give them a role. I mean, you got guys like uh, uh, Mike Leach. At, uh, he's a, he's a, coach, a football coach in, in Washington. I don't know if he does this anymore, but he used to uh, at Texas Tech when he was there. He would uh, have Wednesday mm -hmm. football games for all the non-starters, and he would bring out refs, and he would have the lights out, and you could and they could and the players would wear their jerseys, and they would have a game uh, aside from special teams. They would they would play, and they had and, and they looked forward to that every week because they knew on Saturday it wasn't their role to play; it was their role to prepare the starters. And that's a real thing. Only five people can play sure. basketball at one time. Only 11 people can be out on the field at one time. You know, only nine people can play softball. So it's not everybody can play all the time. And so when you do something like the ultimate teammate, it gives direction to the kids that are not necessarily going to play. It gives them an idea of how to be. And now their role is to help facilitate what we have decided collectively which is another big thing is that they created it. It wasn't a, all right, team, here's our values. Here's our roles. This is what we're going to do. Sign here. There's no collective creation with that. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it's fun. You allowed them to be silly with it. You allowed them to draw and make stick figures. And that's huge, coach. Yeah. And I, that's, I also kind of know my team. We're kind of a fun loving team. Uh, and we play our yeah. best. I call it, we're kind of a smile team. That's why before games, we got music playing. We're jumping up and down. We're, because if they're not laughing and smiling, we're going to have trouble. Because that's not their – our temperament of our team is just fun-loving, man. I mean, now, but when you that's look cool. at us and you go, man, these kids, they don't look that athletic. But when we actually get on the court, we're really – we're pretty tough. <laughs> I mean, um, we get a yeah. lot out of our kids, but – um, but you have to, ha you have to enjoy it, right? You have to enjoy and smile while you're playing. And I think that I'm finding that's more important than anything. It's that, it's that childlike state, Kevin. I mean, it's just when they, when they get there, it, they, they start playing better, you know? And, and so when you facilitate that at practice, it makes it easy to dip into that during the performance. Yeah, and um, I, I want to ask you this, kind of continuing on with that. We play – now, I, I want you to get you're – you're my mental strength coach now, James, so you got to help me with this. We're 16-4. Okay. We're, right. we're ranked 10th in the state. We're 10-1 we're in region, so we're, we're a good team. But we're playing a team tomorrow night that is 11-0, and 0. They, they've won our sub-region for, I don't know, four or five years, whatever. Um, and we've always finished behind them. And we've never beaten them. Well, since I, we, we started the program four years ago. Um, and it's like, it's like this is the hardest approach. But this is all mental approach because you have to enjoy the challenge, correct? So give me some ideas on how you can approach a tough game to help my athletes. 
Well, as a coach, you could you could very easily just go up to him and and you know today and uh, maybe a yeah games, games tomorrow night. night. Yes. So if I were if I were talking to you yesterday, I would have said for you to come in today and be like, hey, ladies, it's time. We've been trailing this team for years. So who's ready? Like that that's it. That's all that needs to be said. It's it's very like we think that we have to fill the void with all these motivational, inspirational stuff. It's like, ladies, is it is it time? Do we know what we have to do? Who do do we know who we need to be in order to beat them? Because if their identity is we always lose, you're gonna lose. But if their identity is now it's time to win, now you have a chance. It's not going to happen on accident. And they're, they're definitely not going to go easy on you because their identity is we always beat this team. Always. And so you have to model the behavior of, I believe that our identity can withstand beating this team that that's who we are and that it's time and you don't have to change anything because you've already been successful and so you go into the game prepared physically you got your conditions you've got your strategy and if they're going to win they're going to have to take it and it's going to be very difficult so at the very least what i would encourage them is this game is going to be extremely difficult for them to win. Let's go make it very difficult and t- bring home the W. So really say less. Just be, oh, be very sure. succinct. I mean, sometimes that, I'm probably guilty as anybody. We say too much as coaches, right? We try to over-scheme, over-talk, right? Well, what happens is we feel – as coaches, the more we talk, the more we're putting in their head. But when there's more in their head, then there's more for them to think about. And we don't want them in their thinking. We want them in their reacting, competing, playing, being childlike. The more we give them to think about and, you know, watch this and make this decision and do all this stuff. No, just go out there and play. Go out there and compete. Give everything you have. And if at the end we've lost, we can hold our heads high because we gave them everything that we had. And this wasn't our time. But we are able to win. So let's go. Hey, I'm fired up, man. You got hey, 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 I'm gonna get an invoice. You're gonna, <laughs> you see, see, you're gonna have to send me an invoice in the mail, man. That's great stuff. But you see, but but, let, but let's just break that down real quick is that <clears throat> Did you, you, you remember the, when I said that and I shut up and then you got fired up, you were, it, there's a, there's this point where when you're communicating to somebody where you can feel that there's, that they're right. pumped up. And as a coach, you got to know, all right, that's it. Right. I've got them. And you got to pause and you got to shut up. And then what's so beautiful about it, Kevin, is that you can sit there and you can be quiet. And someone on that team is going to lose their mind in the most positive way. And the crowd's going to erupt. Like the whole team's going to erupt. But you got to leave room for that to happen and shut <laughs> your mouth. Yeah, I just wrote that down. I just wrote that down, man. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm getting fired up because I, I think that's great advice, man. And um, And I think sometimes we – we over scheme, we do too much. And I think that's great advice. And I, I'm going to utilize that. Um, but the main thing is we do have to have an enjoyment process there. The kids got to be having fun, got to be relaxed. It's just <clears throat> normal routine, right? It's not. I love that you called it an enjoyment process. I've never heard that before. <laughs> it is. It is. Enjoy the challenges, man. Um, <laughs> hey, let's say, hey, and I know, I know you're busy and so forth. And I, I just want to ask a few more questions. I love your podcast. Sure. I listened to today between the difference between losing and being defeated. Share with me about that. Well, being defeated is a mindset. It's like being poor. 
It's like you're not po- you're not poor. You're just broke. You can go out and make money. You'll be good. But when you're poor, then you can't make money. When you are defeated, you can't win. So you can lose and be and still not be defeated. And you can do that in any any situation when it comes to maybe you're you're on a team. Uh, for example, I coached a football team and we we lost every game, and it was very obvious to everybody, even the competitors, the the opposite team, that we were in a wrong league. The kids were bigger, they were they were faster, they were their the age limit was different. And I talked to my kids and I was like, hey, we might we might lose every game, but you don't have to be defeated. You're not losers. You just didn't have enough points at the end of the game. So let's redefine success. And so my challenge to them was what can you control and what's a good goal for you at the end of the game? When as a team sport, you don't really, you can't really uh, win or lose the game. You know, like a field goal kicker misses the, misses the kick at the end of the game. Well, they, they may have lost the very last play, but they didn't lose the game. There was, you know, it's like uh, 29 minutes and 45 seconds of, of play time before that, or 59 minutes and 45 seconds, you know, like, so, you know, the, the whole idea is that being defeated is a mindset. Being defeated is an identity and you don't have to accept that identity. Your girls tomorrow, if they accept the fact that they're always defeated with this team, then they're going to lose tomorrow. Because that's their identity. But if you just say, okay, we've lost a couple years in a row. This is our year. That changes everything. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, writing, I'm writing this down as fast as I can, man. I appreciate it. Um, it sounds like this podcast is just for me, but I think a lot of coaches will really, get, will really validate a lot of this stuff. I mean, I think all these coaches, I think you have so many great things that you're doing. And I, I really want to share, I'm going to send you a video on rock, paper, scissor, cheerleader. I use, I use oh, that today. Yes. Coach, oh, I use that today with my second, third, fourth, and fifth grade. And we form, I have two classes of PE. It's like 40-something kids. We formed the best tunnel for the championship that you will ever see. I mean, they were going, <laughs> they were going nuts. It. But why is that I mean, why is that? That's important for us to do that stuff, right? Even the PE. So rock, paper, scissors, cheerleader. So I've changed it recently to rock, paper, scissors, hype squad. So, and only because that, it just, I feel like the the players, they get that more. They're like, Ooh, I'm a hype squad. And so, uh, so I'll I'll just explain it real quick. So you get a couple weeks ago, I had 400 uh, collegiate athletes. And we separated the room right in half. And we played the most epic battle of rock, paper, scissors <laughs> I've ever seen. It was so loud. But everybody gets a partner. They go one, one v one. That's two out of three. And then if you lose, you become that winner's hype squad. So at the, uh, you know, at the semifinals, you've got one champion with everybody on one side, one champion with everybody on the other side. And then you form a huddle. And you get excited, you make it a big deal, you play the Rocky theme, and everybody's having a great time. And then when you have a winner, it's super exciting, and then you have this anchor of how excited that you can get as an athlete and as a coach, you can use that and be like, remember how you felt at Rock, Paper, Scissors when Coach Leith was here, or we did it with Coach, like, do you remember that? Let's get back to that level. And the kids have a very visceral memory of it because they went through it. And I just, I just love that game. It's so much. Oh, fun. it's great fun, and I think it's again. I, I think we underestimate the value of energy in practice. And, and just an example of that today at practice, I feel like our girls weren't talking. They were really, and they probably had a tough day at school and so forth. We forget that they're they're student they're student athletes. Um, and I right. just brought them together, and I said, you know what? Go, go introduce yourself to your teammates, give high fives. I, I mean, I don't know why I do that with them, but it's like, hey, talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and that's part of what you do as well, right? Well, so um, have you seen the one where it's uh, uh, create a handshake? 
So the, the secret uh, handshake. I, I think I read that last night. Tell me about it. So um, probably the the I I saw this. I remember doing it as a kid, but then I saw it again at IMG. And what they would do with the football team, which is always top five in the nation, is that they would give the kids, let's say the running backs have a water break. Instead of giving them five minutes, they give them 10 minutes. And they say, go create a secret handshake with every other running back. And so what it does is they've got this thing that they've created. It's personal. It's 1v1. And then they talk a little bit. Hey, man, how's your girl? Hey, what's going on? It's your family right on. All right. I got to get to this other guy. And so they're, they're making physical contact. And that, that shows there's, there's studies that show in the NBA, the team that high fives the most always yeah, in the final. And that's been shown yeah. just like year after year after so year. True. So, so true. true. And so, you know, you get them, you get them touching. Well, uh, motion creates emotion. And so when you're doing that and you're spreading that, you, you, uh, you remember when, uh, who was it? Uh, right. uh, Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, you know, for some of the listeners probably remember him, is that he would get on the court and the energy level would go through the roof. Because he's high-fiving people and everybody's excited and he'll score a basket and he's celebrating. And that is <clears throat> contagious. And like uh, Larry Bird said, nothing great ever happened without enthusiasm. And so when you give them a, a situation where they can be enthusiastic – Kids are, are so uh, just, they're so numbed to excitement. You know, everything's so big. They, they had a huge celebration when they graduated second grade. And so third grade's no big deal and eighth grade's no big deal. And so they, it's so difficult to get them excited. But then you give them this stupid, silly little game where they're competing and then right away they have to cheer for that person they were just competing against. There's a lot of lessons in that. But then they realize, maybe consciously or unconsciously, that it's okay to celebrate my teammates. And I'm going to keep doing that. Plus, the energy level goes up. And, and so now you have this, this cohesive team that is used to cheering for each other. And that can get you through some tough, tough situations. So give me the best activity I can use tomorrow. Because I'm going to use one of yours tomorrow, Coach. Hey, so give me a, a good one I can use Maybe, maybe pre-locker room I mean, well, or in the locker room. Yeah, I would, I would not suggest a new one okay. on game day. Zip, zap, zop. If that worked yesterday, do it again tomorrow. Because you'll find out that they're not tired of it. They'll get better at it. And so you got to find ways to make it more difficult. You know, so like once you do uh, zip, zap, zop, and then they start getting eliminated – you have them stand on the outside of the circle and try to be a distractor, right? So, like, you can find ways to change okay. it up. Or you change up, uh, instead of zip, zap, zop, you tell them, all right, it's not, we're going to replace the Z with an L. So now they're lip, lap, lop, lip, lap, lop, and they're just going like that, you know? And so you can change it up like that. But you don't want to introduce something new on right. game day. There's already gotcha. enough. Already enough stuff. Yeah, I and so you want to do something that they're comfortable with. And so, you know, and there's, a, and there's a lot of hype um, games, you know, in the, in the last section of the, the 52 that you, once you find one that's good, that's the one that you go to. And that, becomes, that becomes a pregame ritual. And you do it until it stops working, and then you do something else. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm going to keep searching. I, I, I've been really trying out yours, and everyone's been very successful. Matter of fact, uh, today we threw a bunch of candies out on the baseline and we were doing sprints and they were grabbing candies and bringing it back to the apartment. Oh uh, we, yeah. Yeah, and man. Skittles, yeah, no doubt, skittles, man. It yeah. was like, and they were like looking at me going, are you, but I guess now they know we do enough of those stupid things. They, they, they expect it. now. Well, that's the thing. That's a great point coach, because at first <clears throat> you're going to get a lot of, oh, this is stupid. And then you're going to realize that they just haven't been able to have fun in sport for years. And so when they come across a coach, it's like, Hey, let's have some fun and go out and win games. It, it, you're going to get some pushback. And it's important that when you get the pushback from that all-star athlete or whatever, that you don't make that, I mean, you don't make it a big deal. You say, okay, look, if you don't want to participate, you definitely don't have to. You can go over and stand over here just know that whenever you want to join us, 
will will welcome you with open arms. And you don't make sure. it a big deal. You don't make you don't put them on on blast and be like, well, you know, so and so is not going to participate. Or whatever. No, that's that doesn't help anybody because the the most potent drug that a kid could ever take is called peer pressure, and eventually they're going to want to have fun with their friends. Right. That makes a lot of sense, coach. Hey, my last thing is here. I know that you run a lot of seminars. Your job is to, you're a resource for coaches. Tell us um, how these coaches can, can be part of your organization and, and just the great resources you have available on your website. you got a great podcast. I want everybody to know about what you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Hello. Yes. Oh, there you go. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I, I'm starting up a, uh, a monthly coaching mastermind to have facilitate conversations like this that uh, I've got. I've got a waiting list right now and I'm, I'm waiting on uh, certain things to kind of fall in place to be able to launch that. But uh, next week I'm releasing my next course, which is mental resiliency for athletes. And it's a framework for coaches to be able to fill in this these these presentations with their own stories but i've done a lot of the work as far as the powerpoint presentation and maybe like a video or something and so what i want to do is equip coaches with 10 15 minute uh little lessons on self-talk and confidence and goal setting and uh mistake rituals and uh pre-game routines just things where we we sometimes forget that the kids don't know this stuff. I mean, I was I was in Chicago three days ago, and one of our guys I was working with the G League team. And one of our guys was at the free throw line, and he was breathing, but like raising his shoulders. And so I walked out to him and I was like, "Hey, I want you to try breathing through your stomach." And he's he's a professional athlete, Kevin, and he's never done that before. <laughs> like he was like, "Whoa." that's amazing. I go, yeah, I need you maybe put that into your free throw routine right there in that moment. Like no, you know, up, he, he had gotten that far in his development and nobody had said, Hey, try breathing through your stomach. And that's crazy. And so in this uh, mental resiliency for athletes curriculum, there's 20 different lessons. Uh, there's five mental tools and five mental muscles with two lessons each. And uh, it really just equips the coach to be out there and help their, their athletes be, be more consistent. Athletes. And we need it because I think mental toughness is, uh, again, I think, I think you really got to coach kids up on that. And not only that, we as coaches have to get mentally tougher, don't you think? I, I definitely think so. And I, I, the, the toughness, I think sometimes people will uh, mistake that for being like hard. I need to be hard. And the reason I I land on resilient is because we need to be flexible in our emotions. There's a podcast I released a couple weeks ago about, uh, is it okay to cry? And what I do is I I challenge the athlete that when, when tears start coming out to seek out what's going on, like, why, why am I crying? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're a baby because when I watch a, a, a commercial where a military person comes home and the kid runs out and, or the dog comes out. Like I'm, I'm a baby. I, I'm crying. Like you know, my tears are coming out. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean anything. It just means your body's trying to tell you something, something is off. So question it. And you can, you can be a student of your emotions. And when you do that, you can now dictate what emotion is appropriate for this situation. Because you've lived the motion, you've accepted the emotion. And that's a very important instead of just saying, you know, don't feel the emotion. It's no, 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 feel it. And then now be able to own it. And that's, that's a lesson I think some adults could, uh, could have, you know, <laughs> it's not just the kid. Uh, there's no doubt. I think if, you know, if you are not mentally resilient as a coach, it's hard to teach. So I, I think it starts with us. So I, I, I'm always, I mean, I know I have to work on it. Um, and I have to show humility and say, Hey, you know, I need to work on myself before I start teaching it to my kids. Um, now, I mean, I'm, I'm being critical of myself, but I think most coaches need to be critical of themselves more. 
Absolutely. And I think it's really important for a coach to be able to be really upset at a performance and then three seconds later be completely calm because then that kid realizes, Oh, coach is serious about that. Right. He doesn't hate me. And he's talking to me because, because I'll be like, Hey, get over here, get over here. All right, listen, um, remember that thing that you did and you, and you have control over that. That shocks them the same way. If, if I were to say the F word or if I were to break my clipboard, it's that mental shock where coach is yelling and now coach is being really soft and there's no condensate. There's no uh, condescension. There's no sarcasm. It's just, I'm just talking to you as, as a human. And I, I want to educate you and, and let you know what you did. So that way we can, we can go and move on from it. And if you can do that, that's being resilient right. as a coach. Cause we want our athletes to be able to make a mistake and then bounce back really quick. But you don't learn that in the game. You learn that in practice and then you do it in the game. Yeah. I love that because I, I know I think I've done to me when I'm doing my best coaching is not when I'm, and I, I do, I do yell a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty intense. My best coaching is under pressure. I'm very calm and my tone of voice is very low. And I'm telling you, they yeah. listen more then than when I'm yelling at them. <laughs> well, it, you know, that you bring up a good point is that whether you yell or not, how the uh, athlete receives you is in direct proportion in the relationship that you have with them. Right. For sure. And so if they, if they trust you, if they know that you're yelling to them and not at them, that's a very different response from the athlete. That's a great point. James, hey, I, I just want to tell you, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, I tell you, you got so much stuff. We can spend three hours talking about everything that you have. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time out. What's the best way for, for us to get a hold of you? You got a lot of um, social media sites and so forth. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. That, that means a lot to me for you to say that. Uh, Jamesleith.com is kind of the hub. Uh, from there, it's uh, jamesleath.com. You'll be able to find Unleash the Athlete. Uh, I've got some some things in the pipeline uh, for for coaches and for personal development. I'm really I'm really interested in developing the coach as a person so that they can continue to be a model of what an adult should be or could be to these kids. Because we've like Billy Graham says, a coach will have more influence on a kid than anybody else. And so if we can develop ourselves and, and uh, teach from overflow, keep our coffee cup overflowing so that way we're never feeling empty, these kids are going to reap the benefit of that. And that's when we get invited to the weddings and the parties <laughs> and the graduation parties because they, they can't imagine moving into the next phase of life without having their coach there. And that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, I love that, man. Thank you so much for sharing, James. And hey, I want you to text me tomorrow. I will play at six. Give me a simple text. Don't tell me what it is yet. Just give me a, <laughs> send me a simple message tomorrow. Keep me sharp tomorrow. But I really I appreciate you. I'm on it. And all of you sharing. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Good luck tomorrow, Coach. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Huddle is the preferred video and analytics platform for over 6 million users and 150,000 teams worldwide. Huddle offers a complete performance platform, including the most powerful and flexible tools for video analysis with online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, analysts, and more. For more information on Huddle, check out hudl.com or at Huddle on Twitter and Instagram. Hey coach, this is Brad Shutter calling from Plymouth, Wisconsin. I want to thank you for doing the podcast. I've learned a lot from it. Um, I am an elementary FIED teacher and a girls basketball coach. So we have a lot in common. I like the fact that you um, do a mix of both the FIED teachers and the coaches as well. Um, Keep up the great work. um, And once again, appreciate um, all you do to grow the game. Thanks.
But now it shows 